0: We've had years of stability in the retirement income planning world, and that changed abruptly in September last year, when former Chancellor, short-lived Chancellor uh, Kwasi Kwarteng, presented his infamous mini-budget. And ever since then, there's been uncertainty around rising interest rates, anxieties about inflation, and even worries over the stability of some pension funds themselves. And this has led to us paraplanners rethinking how clients can achieve the outcomes they want from their financial plan. And one consequence of all this is that secure lifetime income has become a thing again, and annuities are back in fashion. Who would have thought that would happen? Uh, and what's more, the demands of consumer duty means that more and more firms are kicking the tyres of their centralised retirement propositions to test their suitability or are setting one well up for the first time indeed, uh, whichever way uh, uh, but that's OK for you. In other words, it's all kicking off in the world of retirement income planning. And in the, the eye of the storm, because it feels like that sometimes, are us paraplanners so how are we supposed to make sense of all this? What do we need to know? And what should we be doing about it? Um, and while we're talking about it, how does this annuity secure income thing actually work in the real world? Well, luckily, we know some great people who can help us make sense of all of this. And we're great, greatly pleased to be working with Just again on this series of three. So last time, we looked at what is an annuity. What's happening in the economy and what it all means for income stability and risk management. And we'll pop a link to that if you haven't seen already in the chat room. Next week, we're going to be looking at some case studies and what consumer duty means for all of this. But today we're going to look at the practicalities and planning and forecasting. Just as partnered with Timeline, um, support of the assembly this year, to build some sophisticated modeling. And we're going to have a look at that um, and see what that means. But it doesn't matter if you use timeline or not, as long as you do some kind of modeling and forecasting, that's the most important bit. So look. Looking at the practical ideas and planning today. So, Jean-Paul, welcome to the Assembly. It's your first time. Please introduce yourself for those that don't know
1: you. Thanks, Richard. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Jean-Paul Grenade, but everyone calls me JP, so feel free to do likewise. I've certainly been called far worse. Um, I am Director of Retirement Income Planning um, at Just, so so I've been in charge of the distribution team there. Um, And today, we're going to be... Talking about one of our solutions in this space, which is the secured lifetime income proposition.
0: Well, it's great um, to have you along. Um, and um, sorry for coming across. Me. I'll just get Carl to say a quick hello. Right. So, if you tuned in last week, people will know Carl. But if they haven't tuned in, Carl, please introduce yourself.
2: Thank you, Richard. Yeah, So I'm Carl Steadman and I'm a retirement and later life specialist at Just. Uh, been in financial services 26, 27 years, been at Just for about 14 years. And during that time, I've, I've worked across all areas. So I started with equity release, then you know retirement income and also uh, long-term care as well so hopefully i've picked up a little bit of information during those 14 years um but uh, it's great to have jp with us today he's, he's a font of knowledge so really good to have him here as well with us
0: thank you i noticed some people are saying in the chat they're getting a bit of a, a glitch or a lag um sorry about that uh, um, it's the age old if you could just refresh your browser that might fix it um if that's still causing problems then please let us know in the chat everything's working okay for for me and i think for carl and jp so um might just be some local issues but please let us know if you're still having a problem so we'll see what we can do um looking at the poll that we ran um interesting results so are you including secure income in your retirement planning forecasts we've got 23 percent saying no um, 30% saying yes, I quite annuity rates, and 46% saying yes, I build into cash flows, and no one's using other forecasting tools at the moment. So that's interesting. Uh, let's see if we can change the minds of the 23% that say no, uh, and maybe those that are doing it already can share uh, um, some of their, their thoughts as we go along today. I'm popping another poll up there now, um, which you can maybe answer a bit later on, everybody, to see if you're more or less inclined uh, to include secure income in your your planning forecast. So um, that's good. Right, Uh, Jean-Paul, sorry, you you were about to kind of set the scene uh, on the topic and I'm going to bring the slides you prepared up on the screen um, and
1: hand over to you to to run us through these. Okay, thank you very much, Richard. (laughs) So um, yeah, as as Richard mentioned earlier, a lot's happened in markets um, over the past uh, year or two There have been some pretty significant changes, which means that people's portfolios potentially haven't performed um, as well as we'd like. And one of the things that has has impacted um, customers far more last year than, you know, in previous years is that actually some of the lower risk solutions that have got greater exposure to fixed income have performed as poorly, if not worse than some of the riskier solutions. So one of the things that we're asking ourselves now and we, you know, something, something to consider for the future is, is it time to, to look at a new approach? So that's going to be the, the the focus of this discussion. So by the end of today, um. It, ideally, you'll be able to talk about you know the economic environment, what's happened, and um, you know the impact on retirement income portfolios. Um, understand the different risks and outcomes. Um, so, a lot of the time when I'm speaking to people, they've got very similar propositions in accumulation to the ones that they have in decumulation. So, there's different risks there which you need to understand, um, <clears throat> and when you're decumulating your wealth, a a different strategy is required, which I'm sure um, some of you have, or many of you from that poll have already identified. So that's good news. Um, And then finally, um, at the end of this session, you should be able to reflect on historical market movements and compare some of those to what's happening today and whether that warrants a change in the investment strategies that you're currently using. So hopefully that works. I'm going to start this session, though, just quickly describing what Secure Lifetime Income is about and how it works. I'm going to give you a little bit of history lesson. So we, we started with um, SLI because back in 2015, there was a significant change to sort of pensions legislation, which obviously everyone knows now as pensions freedoms. And during pensions freedoms, um, the, the requirement to purchase an annuity Um, kind of went away. There was no longer a a requirement to purchase an annuity at any point during your pensions journey. Um, This was great because it gave customers greater flexibility, but was also a challenge because as with all of these things, annuities got a bad name and there's always a concern that you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think annuities historically had always been seen as a kind of one-size-fits-all solution. You either completely annuitize or you don't do it at all. And one of the things that we were considering at just at the time was actually is that true? Is there a, is there a better way of managing your your retirement to provide you with the income. So one of the things that we looked at doing was, you know, well what what is it that people don't like about annuities and what can we do to improve that? So one of the things that people didn't like was there was no death benefit so one of the things that we've added into secured lifetime income is a death benefit. The other thing was that it was off platform so if you work on a platform then having an annuity somewhere else where you needed to figure out what it was doing and how it was going to play into your portfolio was another thing that people didn't like so we were able to put um, SLI onto a platform but importantly the things that people did like like cross mortality subsidies we were able to continue with with SLI. Um, So how does it work? So this is just a brief example of how it works. So basically, um, SLI sits on a platform alongside your current drawdown portfolio. Um, And SLI, as with a traditional annuity, will just spit out an income. One of the things that's different though, is that income that's spitting out will go into a cash account. Why is that important? Well, if your customer doesn't need the cash, they can just keep it in the cash account, they can choose to reinvest it across the other assets. Um, And while it sits in the SIP, there's no uh, tax paid on the income. So there are some benefits beyond just the kind of, it gives you a cross mortality subsidy piece that perhaps people haven't considered. Um, But traditionally what we'd expect is that SLI will provide a proportion of your income, your drawdown portfolio will provide the other portion of your income and the customer will be withdrawing that income from the SIP. So that's high level how it works. As...
0: There's a few questions that I've got on this, yeah, which I'm not surprised about. I'm not sure whether Carl wants to take this or you do, JP. So, so the first question I've had in is, is this like a GIA account inside the SIP?
1: No. (laughs) So, um, what it is? It's a trust. Technically, it's a trustee investment plan. Um, So, it's a tip um, sat in inside the 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 SIP of the platform. That's how it works. Okay. Anything else?
0: Um, So, it's not like an investment account where you can kind of just pull money out when you want to. It's actually a trustee investment plan which provides the secure lifetime income. Yeah. Gotcha. Um yes.
1: Next question.
0: Is moving money into this a benefit crystallization
2: event?
1: Well, I had to leave that for
2: Carl. <laughs> I was going to leave that to you, JP, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean it, it's basically you know the same as if you're moving it from you know your pension into a I suppose a product that you're then going to start drawing a pension from. Um I suppose the difference with the secure lifetime income. Um is that is that that um, tip, trustee, um, uh, the t- sorry, <laughs> I forgot myself there, the tip that um, JP was just talking about. And so I don't know, JP, with you, you could probably put it more eloquently than I am at the
1: moment. <laughs> so is it a benefit crystallization event? So I guess my answer to that is no. Um, you will have already been drawing your, uh income so in effect your custom the, the the customer is already in a in a drawdown situation so they've already had their benefit crystallization if that's that's probably the best way of putting it
2: yeah
0: yeah i, I think that's uh, there's a follow-on question saying do you already have to be in drawdown before you can do this and i think that yeah. that question is is answering what you've just said there basically so yeah. you crystallize your money it moves it into a drawdown environment and then when Previously, you might have just taken withdrawals from that. You put this money into the trustee investment plan, and that, that then that, provides that's you right. with the income. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, which platforms
1: is it available on? Someone's asked. So it's available currently on the uh, sorry Novia platform and the Seven AM platform. We are talking with a number of other platforms at the moment. So as soon as those are available, obviously we'd make those um, live. Yep.
0: yep. Okay. And there's a Question from the chat room, which, which is, how do you track the growth? Assuming the lifetime allowance comes back in again. That's a good one. So I guess with a um, normal annuity, so you just you purchased it, and that's. Yeah, and, and what do we do with this?
1: Yeah, in essence, that's the same. So you you've purchased it, and your income just is just going to get paid out until you die. So it's, it's uh, individually um, underwritten. So it's the, in that in that's in the same way that an annuity you you bought it and it's now paying you an income. This this would be the same.
0: Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, if we get any more questions around kind of platform structure, I'll save those to the end. But um, I'll let you move on to the next slide.
1: Cool. There go. So let's start to think about how SLI can work within within a portfolio. So first off, I think you've got to look at um, how good have bonds been as a diversifier. So typically when people are building portfolios, they use the the kind of modern, that's what MPT stands for, modern, modern portfolio theory. So what they do is they go, okay, look, I'm building a portfolio and I want something that zigs when the other thing zags. That's the simplest way of putting it. So I want something with negative correlation. So when... If bonds are performing well, I want you know if equities are performing well, then bonds don't perform well, and when equities are performing poorly, bonds perform well. So that typically is what the diversification looks at: is have I got a portfolio that is negatively correlated? So when you look at um, this example, you can see in red um, the periods where equities have performed poorly. And on the right-hand side, you can see that bonds have actually, at least in part, done some of that job. They have actually diversified the portfolio. So when negative perform, equities have performed poorly, bonds have performed well. However, if you look at a 60-40 portfolio, they haven't really done anywhere near well enough to offset the poor performance of equities so you can see that on the right hand side so the best ever year was in 2000 where you were just about 1% positive but other than that you your negative return has has been cushioned yes but it's not been cushioned enough to protect you completely from the negative performance of equities does that make sense yep yep yeah. so Equity bonds haven't done that great a job of being a diversifier. So the next question is, well, do they bounce? So this is a a data going back to 1916. And broadly, it says, look, what are the worst ever years for guilt? So actually 2022, if it was on this list, would be second worst, actually. So what happened with quasi-quieting's budget? would have been the second worst performance of equities, of gilts in this portfolio, in this example here. So if you look at year one performance, so after after a year of the worst performance, what happened a year later? There were only three times that gilts actually performed well that following year. And in each of those three times, there was a view that the inflationary concerns that were in the market had gone away. So, in every single, every single one of those positive years that you can see after plus one year, there was a view that inflation, that any inflationary concerns had fallen away. Um, but this is effectively showing that since one thousand, eight hundred and seventy-one to two thousand and twenty-one, um, bonds typically don't bounce. So they don't give you that great a diversification, and when they have performed poorly they don't necessarily perform very well the following year either. If we move on to the next slide. Anyone got any questions on that? No? Okay, good. Um, next slide. So, um, and how, so, you know, this industry is built around uh, understanding customers' attitude to risk and how people's views of attitude to risk and volatility change over time. So if we look at attitude to risk tools, what you can see in this in the slide on the left is basically an, a, a range of multi-asset funds. So these are balanced multi-asset funds or cautious multi-asset funds. And in that straight line bit in the middle where they're just a straight horizontal line, you can see that broadly they've held um you know a a reasonable level of risk. If you look at the more recent times though it's showing that the volatility is picking up and so the attitude to risk tools might change maybe quite significantly because the risk in bonds has gone up quite a lot compared to where it was previously. So again if you look at the a slide on the right there, you can see that the current vo- bond volatility is actually higher than it was in the financial crisis and right now we're not hearing about you know loads and loads of problems in the, in financial markets. Yes there have been one or two uh, banks that have gone bust but they're pretty um, localized events, they're not they're not things that we're worried is going to cause a contagion um, so even without a full financial crisis on our hands we've seen a big uptick in yes. volatility of something that's seen as relatively low risk um, and again you can you can see that here if you look at equity and bond volatility um, <clears throat> the equity volatility is the is the lines and the bond volatility is there is the sort of sorry equity volatility is the one line and the bond volatility is like the bar chart piece that you can see on the uh, behind in purple um, and what you can see at the moment is that equity volatility has actually come down and bond volatility is actually increased so where you've got people saying okay well I want to take I want an attitude to risk that's relatively low therefore I've got a lot of fixed income exposure they're actually exposed to an asset that is currently higher volatility than the thing that is high volatility that typically they want to avoid so these areas i think are are causing some points of concern
0: i think this is where there's been a bit of a disaster with people in pension funds with lifestyle strategy isn't there where they've automatically been moving into perceived lower risk you know bond or or guilt funds you know two years before they were retiring this year for example, that's all gone a bit horribly wrong, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy, I've seen your note in the in the um, chat there. And th- there is another option, which I'll I'll share with you in a minute. We're coming. We're coming to it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if we go back to equity bond correlation, so bearing in mind what I said earlier about modern portfolio theory. So modern portfolio theory says you want to hold something that Um goes up at the same time that you hold something that that goes down and that overall because the trend for both will be upwards you'll have a a smoother journey. That's that's the theory behind modern portfolio theory. So what you want then is things that are uncorrelated. So equity and bonds are typically seen as uncorrelated assets and this is a piece of work that Schroeder's did. It's not our own work um, something that Schroeder's pulled together and what it's saying what shoulders are saying is that the last 20 years or so there has been a negative correlation between equity and bonds but prior to that actually equities and bonds were positively correlated excuse me and prior to that they were negatively correlated for about a 10-year period and then prior to that they were positively correlated and if you look at that overall chart it's basically saying that actually equities and bonds are, are positively correlated more often than they're negatively correlated so some of that equity bond correlation piece might not work going forward if we're seeing a a shift in the market which is something that we're we we all should be a little bit concerned about right now so move on a slide so the other thing that we need to think about is the way that customers are thinking about risk. So because interest rates have gone up, customers are like, well, actually, if I can get 5% from my bank, do I really need more than that? Do I really wanna take that much risk? Actually, if I'm gonna get 5% from cash, I might as well allocate more to cash. So the the risk appetite for a lot of customers is is changing. They're basically saying, actually, I can afford to take less risks. So I'm being quite well rewarded for, for, for Zero risk asset. So actually, maybe I don't want to take as much risk as I used to. If we move to the next slide. So if we look at a current portfolio, <clears throat> this is a 60 40 portfolio with uh, a retirement income, um, a retirement amount of 400,000, looking to take um, an income. And basically it's saying, you know, if we look at what happened between January uh, 2022 to March, April um, 2023, this is what the overall return would look like. So what what can we do about this to kind of enhance that portfolio? How do we go about fixing it? So let's move on. So these are the key questions. So how do I get higher income, given that inflation is a problem? How do I improve sustainability for my customers, increase their financial resilience? And one of the key things that I think people have always said about their drawdown portfolio is, I want to enhance my legacy provision. So how can I improve the legacy benefits that I get? If we move forwards, So here... We're using some timeline modeling to show you how this could work in a portfolio. So on the left, you can see that we've got a portfolio that's 50, a 50-50 split between bond and equities. It's currently got about a 70% chance of meeting a one in four lifetime objective, so lasting to age 95. And the legacy provision is looking at being around £127,000. This is from a £400,000 investment. Now, if you take that bond allocation and you go, right, okay, what I'm going to do with the bond allocation is I'm going to give 20%, 25%, sorry, to secure lifetime income. And I'm going to reduce my bond allocation to 20%. And I'm going to increase my equity allocation uh by five percent um what does what does that look like so the first thing is it increases the the chances of your um portfolio achieving that one in four status um to around eighty eighty five percent so it's it's much more likely to be on track. So you've gone from less sustainable to on track, which is a good step in the right direction. But more importantly, the legacy provision has gone up from 127,000 to 252,000. And if you look at the version on the right, effectively we're saying, okay, well, what happens if you do the same thing, allocate 25 percent to secure lifetime income, but reduce your allocation to bonds a little bit further and push your equity provision up a little bit further to 60%. And what happens is you get even more likelihood, it's ever so slightly more likely, that you get an on-track portfolio. Um, But your legacy provision has gone up from 250,000 to around 285,000. So you're able to provide even, even greater legacy provision. Um, Now, why is this important? Well, if you think about how many customers you might have in this bracket, um, one of the things that I think is important is that aggregate that up across all of your customer bank and suddenly like doubling the amount of money you've got on the portfolio can have a significant impact. Sam, I've seen your question about surely you're increasing the risk level by doing that you're not increasing the risk level because you've got a guaranteed income. So the the secured lifetime income solution is just giving you the income and it takes the stress of producing that income off the rest of your portfolio. So let's say you used the, uh, I don't know, £100,000 to purchase a, the secure lifetime income. That part of your portfolio will be providing you with about, I don't know, five to £7,000 of income. And therefore, the rest of your portfolio doesn't need to generate that income anymore. That's being generated by secure lifetime income. So you can afford to take a bit more risk with it. But I think that's that's a great question, Sam. So here you can see that chart highlighted further. So the the black line that you can see in the background, that's showing you what the, a traditional sixty forty uh portfolio would look like so traditional sixty forty portfolio drawing income this is how much this is how quickly you would get um down to you know what's that two hundred thousand pounds so by a one in ten survival point, your <clears throat> four hundred thousand is turned into two hundred thousand with secured lifetime income you've got an opportunity to increase um, the likelihood of your portfolio surviving even one in two. The gap between one in two is what, 275 to 350. And that 350,000 amount is broadly maintained to a one in 10 survival point. So it, it significantly enhances customer outcomes. And more importantly, from a business owner perspective, Means that the amount of money that you're managing and the amount of money that your that your customers beneficiaries effectively have to manage is significantly higher. So it's an enhancement to your overall business. Michelle, I've seen that you've asked, will an annuity work the same way as SLI create additional legacy? Yes, to a certain extent, it would. I think the key difference is that you wouldn't um, you wouldn't be able it wouldn't be on platform. So the the annuity portion of your portfolio is no longer on a platform, it's held somewhere else. But would it, if you used an annuity in the same way, would it um, <clears throat> be able to um, make the rest of your portfolio survive longer? Yes, but you'd have to keep track of it rather than it sitting within the, within the SIP. And it, it also doesn't give you any optionality Around the the actual what you do with the income. So if for a year or two, your customer doesn't need the income. Um, you can you can just choose not to take it on SLI. With an annuity, you would continue to receive it. So th- there's less optionality with, with an annuity. Um, Nigel, so you said, I- I'd be interested to see if the ongoing charges have reduced from where they used to be on this type of contract. Um, yeah, they would. Um, <clears throat> so the the uh s l i itself has got no specific um charge um so that the amount that you've allocated to s l i would would reduce therefore the the ongoing charge so that would that would happen what would happen to the income if not taken no um if the income's not taken it just sits in the cash account of the sip so um the, you know your customer doesn't lose that 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 income is going to be paid until death um and the customer will just see that money on the on the cash account of the SIP and they they can decide what they want to do with it so if they want to reinvest it across the other assets they can do that so important importantly in the example that i showed you earlier that wasn't being done we weren't using the income from SLI to to enhance the. The allocation to some of the other asset classes. You could that. Um, <clears throat> I guess the return, Sam, to answer your question, would be that if it's on the cash account, um, it would earn whatever the cash account's um, rate of return is. If you wanted it to earn something more, you could reinvest it across the other asset classes and get the return that you see from there. Uh, and Pippa, yes, you can stop, start. You can't vary vary the income of SLI in the sense that the income that's being paid will be paid but the amount that you choose to draw down could be varied so yes you could choose not to take the not to take the income out to leave it in a cash account you could choose to take the income out so therefore start it and you could choose to take more or less of the income if if you wanted to Um, so there you've got some optionality optionality pipper around that that's great Sam Glad you've got
0: it now. I think that's the important thing to get your head around isn't it is that this is an asset inside the sip which is producing an income a secure income. The income that's right. sits inside the sip and whether you choose whether you choose to take it out or not or build it up and take out more and, then, and turn down less that's entirely up to you but it's, it's that two level approach isn't it.
1: Yeah. Yeah so the MP8 sorry the
0: what's happening yeah it's, 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 money purchase okay. annual allowance yeah it would be triggered if, if you take yeah. income uh, out of the sit that's been general doesn't matter how it's been generated whether it's been generated by a unit trust returns <clears> yeah. generated by secure lifetime income it does does trigger the reduced annual allowance
1: yeah it will okay uh so what's the usp on this versus gia in a set unique selling point so Edward, yeah, to answer your question, so I guess at a GIA, you you're not guaranteed uh, an income. So if you're in a GIA, um, you're relying on traditional assets to deliver the return that you get. With this, you're, you're not. You're, you you this this portfolio is completely the secured lifetime income solution is completely uncorrelated with any of the other assets in your portfolio, regardless of what happens in markets, your customer is going to get paid their agreed rate over that, over the, well, until death. So over that year at the agreed rate until, until death. So the significant advantage is that you've got an, a completely uncorrelated asset in your portfolio, which is great. That's what modern portfolio theory is all about. Um, but importantly, It will continue to pay that income regardless of what's happening in the market. So, if you don't have, if you've got a reasonable exposure to fixed income, let's say 30% available to fixed income or 40% to fixed income, and you actually put a significant amount into SLI instead of fixed income, you don't, you're not going to care whether interest rates go up, inflation goes up, interest rates go down. That doesn't matter. Once you're, once your um, rate's been agreed, that rate will get paid to your customer for for the rest of their life and that rate is protected completely by FSCS. So even in the event that Just is no longer around to pay it, um, the FSCS steps in and pays the full amount. So there are some real benefits to holding SLI within a SIP as opposed to anything else. And GIA unfortunately, would just be a normal traditional asset.
0: I guess one way of looking at it, it's it's, uh, an alternative asset class to your traditional equities bonds, isn't it? It's it's a different asset class, but it's still a a non-correlated asset you can hold inside your set.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Michelle, very quickly, yes, that is right, what you said. Um, it is only available on and 7am at the moment, but we are working with others and we'll make you aware as soon as possible once those are live. Um, Sam, yeah, you're right. You can lock in a good rate on um, SLI, but I, I actually don't see the rate as the key difference. So I've I've been in asset management for my entire financial services career. So I've been in financial services for 25 years and all I've spoken about is investments in all of that time so the one thing that i think that is broadly missed by the opportunity that sli presents is that it is completely uncorrelated to the rest of the portfolio so regardless of the rate that you get that um, that lack of correlation to the rest of the portfolio will always be the same so The fact that it's just going to keep spitting out an income is different to what the rest of your assets will do so if you know if equities go down and bonds go down as we saw in um, September last year the income that you can take from that is significantly impacted by the fact that both of those things have gone down at the same time the SLI bit doesn't care you know equities go down bonds go down doesn't matter you still get paid the same amount every every month. Um, how competitive are the, so our rates at the moment compared to annuity rates are pretty competitive. Um, I think our rate on SLI right now, correct me if I'm wrong Carl, is slightly higher than our standard annuity rate so that that's fine. Yeah, um, and,
2: they, and it is underwritten as well so people can benefit from any health or lifestyle conditions that they may have the same as they would If they were looking at our traditional annuity as well so you know don't don't forget to underwrite them if they are looking at this because they can benefit from a higher rate from any conditions that they may have
1: yeah um so hang on becky we are restricted but can advise whole of market on annuity so presumably we could just we could advise it yeah i mean i'm not i'm not here to poo poo annuities they you know they're a good (laughs) Proposition, right? <laughs> they they absolutely work. I think the the difference is that SLI um, provides you with a lot of benefits and optionality that you you can't get with a traditional annuity, um, and I, that that for me is the key difference. So, can you purchase a second Sli if you start with a lower amount and then need more? Um, thanks Why not? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you can. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing
2: about it. You, you can buy in tranches. So if somebody's looking to kind of de-risk, so at age 65, potentially, they wanted to use secure lifetime income to have a certain amount of generate certain amounts of income, but they may be 70, 71, 72. They're looking to de-risk. They can come along and buy a second tranche. And obviously, at that point, they're a little bit older, maybe a little bit more health fades, so they potentially get a better rate, um, which again means uh, you know less capital needed to to ring fence that level of income. Means there's more capital left in the drawdown. So certainly, it's not a one and done. You can buy subsequent branches, second, third, fourth, as many as as, as they like um, with that. And we've got Irene saying, yeah, the difference between the Just product and Canada Life. Um, well I suppose that the primary difference is that with us we have the software to bolt it on to existing platforms whereas with the Canada Life um, you have to use theirs so I'd say that's the primary
1: difference and with that I don't know if you want to add any more JP with yeah the... <clears throat> uh, that, that, I think that's right the, the other thing that I would say is if you if you're if you want to use SLI you like the concept you like what's been discussed today and we you know, we're not available on the, your platform platform of choice. Then, please, you know, feel free to engage with your platform and tell them that you want to have Sli on there, because that will help us. If we get a groundswell of people saying we want <clears throat> we want to be able to access this solution on your platform, then that helps us in our conversations, and we can we can monitor and track that and say this is this is what's happening. Um, but yeah, Canada Life solution is just available through Canada Life. It's not available through other platforms. I'm going to move on to our case study then for, for Cynthia. You can talk us through that. Yeah, I can talk you through the uh, case study. Uh, so Yeah, Cynthia, bless her. So um, just before I do that, I've, I've, you, uh, Michelle, I've seen that you said which other platforms will be able to hold. Basically, any platform can hold SLI. They just need to add it. That's all. So, in the same way that you would add, I don't know, a UK equity fund to the platform, um, SLI can be added to a platform in you know in exactly the same way. We've we've got a, a slightly different onboarding process for the as for the platform. We've got a, we've got a proper onboarding team to work with the platform to get SLI on it. But effectively, as far as a an IFA is concerned. Or a, or a power plan is concerned the only thing that matters is getting SLI onto the platform and any any platform can do it. Um, okay so Cynthia, so this this basically is, is a is an example of the the slide that I showed you earlier so she's uh we've we've effectively profiled someone and said you know what 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 could SLI do for this person so Cynthia's age 862 She's got a moderately moderately adventurous attitude to risk. Um, She's happy to use her ISA portfolio to support income until her state pension starts. And she's got two key objectives. One is to meet her income requirement, which is hardly surprising if you're in retirement. And the second one is to maximize legacy. So she wants to leave something to her dependents and beneficiaries. Um, She transferred out of DB and her, she now wants £12,000 a year of income adjusted for inflation and her portfolio has now dropped, because of 2022, to £326,000. So if we move on to the next slide, let's have a look at what the timeline modelling says. So we've put in, she's got £326,000 invested, she needs an income of £12,000 a year, she's got a 60-40 uh, portfolio which is, you know, fairly normal uh, equity bond split So in that scenario, she is uh, got a 69% chance of achieving, of her portfolio surviving to age 99 uh, with her starting from age 62 um, and taking 12K uh, from 2023 onwards. So what happens if we add SLI into the mix? So let's take a quick look at that. So if we say, okay, we're going to add 30% of SLI, reduce the bond allocation to 10% and retain the 60% equities. So her portfolio has now got a 78% chance. That's a significant uptick in the chance of her portfolio being able to survive until age age 99. She's asked for £12,000 of income, but actually nearly £6,000 of that is being generated by her allocation to SLI. So now there's a lot less pressure on her portfolio to deliver that income. She's getting six grand a year, more or less, from the SLI allocation. So what does that mean in terms of the legacy provision? <clears throat> so in the previous example, her legacy provision, same portfolio, Uh, with the 60-40 split was, um, sorry, my laptop keeps dying, (laughs) was um, 83,000 pounds. If we move on to the next slide, just quickly, we'll show you that. With a 30% allocation to SLI, uh, not only is she now, remember, got a 78% chance of achieving uh, her, her portfolio lasting, her legacy provision has gone up to two hundred and eighty-seven thousand pounds. So it's a, a significant enhancement in the value of her portfolio, and that's not just important to Cynthia, as we're showing in this example. That's important to the business as well, because now that IFA is running a portfolio that's you know three times larger than it would have been. So. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's uh, a powerful message there, isn't it? Um, I've just, I've had a question come in. Uh, can you explain how the death benefits work on SLI?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will do that. <clears throat> um, before I do that, I've just seen that Michelle sent something that says, is there something you can send me afterwards so I can this to our propositions team? To see if it's possible to add to our nominated platforms. Absolutely, more than happy to do that, Michelle. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely pick that up after the call. Um, so death benefits, how do they work with SLI? So day one, the the portfolio is valued. So let's say you put hundred thousand pounds into SLI. Day one, you would get seventy five thousand pounds back. In so seventy five percent is protected in the event that the customer was to die um, before any income was paid out now once the income is paid out um what happens is the death benefit is reduced by twice the amount that's paid out so it takes roughly about seven years for the money to to run out if you like so for your for the death benefit to come down to zero does that make sense so if you yeah so wait wait yeah, so if you if you put, if you put, if you're taking out, let's say a thousand pounds a month, then the death benefit reduces by two thousand pounds a month.
0: Okay. And I've got a question here from uh Georgia. Uh popped it up on the screen so everyone can see it. So are the security rates offered reduced from an off-platform annuity to reflect the benefits of off? Oh,
1: Think, I'm not sure I understand. Do you, do you understand the question, uh, Carl?
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I mean, if it's if it's an off-platform annuity, if it's our sort of, you might say, traditional annuity okay. um, to reflect the benefit of being linked. Um, they well, won't be linked at all in any way. There will be two separate entities. So our traditional annuity will be underwritten and set up, and that will be entirely separate to the drawdown income that you get. So you get two payments, one from your your annuity, one from your drawdown each month. Whereas with the secure lifetime income, you just get one payment each month coming from the cash account. If that makes sense. Yeah. So okay, thank you. Um
1: yeah SLI Lee sorry, is sorry. available on the um 7am and Navia. Um I believe it was being considered for standard life. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we can't comment on where we are with various platforms, but trust me, we are talking to all of them. We've recently taken on new resource to add SLI onto more platforms because we recognize that there's a lot of demand, but that sometimes people can't access it because they're not using 7IM and Navia. So that absolutely is something that we're all over. But if you can help us by speaking to your platform and saying, I'd like this added, then, then I'll you know, that'd be great. That that really does help us in our conversations.
2: I think we're also talking to some DFMs as well, aren't we?
1: Yep. In fact, um Copia DFM is live, um, but they are actively using um secured lifetime income in their retirement income plus solution. Um and what they do effectively is they, they've taken this theory that we've showed you with, with timeline and they've they've put it into practice, they've done their own modelling they've risk rated their portfolios and they've taken the view that adding secured lifetime income reduces the risk so they can take a little bit more risk with the, the rest of their portfolio and and that's what they've done. So it's actually um, giving some some really interesting uh, outcomes for customers, m- much improved outcomes for customers. So that, I think that's that's really good. So yeah, Copia is live and there are others that we're speaking to right now. Um, One of which is kind of watch this space. It would be very, very shortly, I think, will be an announcement.
0: Excellent. Um, Just a a few kind of power planning pointers and tips on this one. If if you haven't um, tried plugging in uh, a form of secure income, doesn't matter what form it is, into a cash flow forecast compared to a full drawdown, do it um, and see what difference it makes because sometimes it's quite surprising. So, you know, if you're doing anything else, have a play with your cash flow tool and plug that in. makes a big difference. Have a think about your... due to risk questionnaire profiling, um, because we do have a bit of a new investment landscape at the moment compared to where we were two, three, four, five years ago. Um, so just think about what your risk profiling process looks like now and do you need to maybe change it, think about it, You know, reassess it with clients. Um, there's a very good video that Just had done with Abraham from Timeline um, about this, which we'll pop a link to uh, on our website. And if, if you want to go watch that, I'd recommend it. Um, he talks very well, you know how everyone talks to me. He talks very, very well about this is an alternative asset class, and you're basically getting bond returns plus the mortality cost subsidy, um, which you struggle to find in any other asset class. And it's worth doing a, a Google for Rory Percival, XFCA, who's done some very good articles and videos about layering secure income uh, as you get older in retirement and how you can start to move from full drawdown and, and drip feed into like secure income over time really interesting concepts around that one. When he first came out with this about four or five years ago, annuity rates were still um, down in the dumps. Some people just kind of poo-pooed it a bit, um, but he's been proved right. Who knew? Um, so have a look at that, there's some really good stuff um, that the rulers talked about uh, in terms of tranche buying annuities. Well worth a read. Um, Cole, do you want to just explain a bit about the vulnerable client awards? Because I know they're still open.
2: Yes, yes. So, for the third year now, we're running our vulnerable client awards. Um, You may well have um, seen the results last year or maybe even one of were put forward for an award. So, um, the closing date for applications is the 30th of June. So, um, still got a month left, but we are, um, I think there's about four different categories so it's up close and personal um so recognizing excellent support given to a client who found themselves in vulnerable circumstances so if you felt that you've gone above and beyond with a client you can you can certainly um put an application in for yourself that's not a problem if you have a client a uh, sorry, a colleague um, that's done that, Um, then, you know, put them forward. It would be great to see that. We've got data and technology. So if you've improved your systems to maybe recognize potential vulnerabilities, that's another um, category that you can put yourself forward to as a firm. Vulnerable uh, customer champions. So individuals have gone that extra mile to, I suppose, mobilize a the vulnerable customer agenda within the firm and company of the year as well. That's the final one. So as a company, have you done all of these things and, you know, you, you've seen better outcomes for vulnerable consumers? Um, so it'd be great to see your applications and your submissions. So 30th of June. and. Um, yeah, have a look on our justadvisor.com website. You've got the application there. Um, but any questions as always, do give your, uh, your local BDM a call and they'll be able to walk you through the process.
0: Thank you. And if you haven't seen the um, vulnerable client resources on the Just website before, go and have a look. I've used them a lot to help advisors put together their vulnerable client policy um it's really good stuff there we'll pop a link in the chat room now to the event page um, on our website from where you can jump off to all sorts of videos and resources from just you can get a replay of this video you can get a link to go and get your hours cpd from just um so thank you very much for providing that and don't forget if you want to keep the conversation going you can go to the big tent on our website and discuss ask questions if there's anything in particular to sli i'll get carl or jp to pop on there and provide an answer and you can book tickets to the big day out on the 14th of September. Tickets are going fast, so get in there quite quick. So that was really easy for me. JP, you did a great job there for your first assembly. Um, so top marks from Paraplanners there for, for presentation, sharing your, your knowledge and answering those questions. Um, thank you both to you and to Carl for joining us today. Big thanks to Just for supporting the Paraplanners assembly again this year. Uh, we'll see you again next week uh, where we're talking about consumer duty and running through some more case studies. The link to the book that is on our website as well. So we'll hopefully see you then. Thanks for joining in for all your questions. Have a good afternoon and good.